You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. And tonight we are looking at Season 1. Season one and only, episode three, Space Above and Beyond, the episode entitled The Dark Side of the Sun. We'll start with an episode synopsis. And I will remind listeners that I had decided last time, and I'm going to carry on, that the three main characters are Killer, Snot, and Tank. Killer is the hero of our story. Snot is that guy West, and Tank is, you know, the tank. Okay, Killer has got a problem. She's got a recurring nightmare that starts with the exploding sun and ends with her reliving the death of her parents at the hands of the AI rebels, a.k.a. the Silicates. But there is no time for that. The Fighting 58s have got their marching orders. Their mission, to guard a mine's helium-3 ore. Compared to the war, the mine is downright close to home. Just 215 MKSs outside the Kuiper Belt. On a dark and barren asteroid named Boonwell. There's grumbling all around because this is boring work. They want to be out shooting some chigs. The colonel assigns Killer as the commander of the mission, with Snot as her XO. She balks at that and confides in the colonel that she thinks it's her destiny to die out there on this mission. He poo-poos the concept of a deterministic universe and the concept of luck. Now get on that horse, soldier, and get the job done. On the flight out, what appears to be a rogue asteroid is on a collision course, but when they try to move out of the way, it follows them. They use their bang-bang shoot-ems to destroy it, but not before Killer overhears radio chatter that can only be the silicates. This rattles her. On asteroid Boonwell, they set up their perimeter and begin guard duty. Before long, they are under attack by silicates who have killed all the miners and are attempting to steal the ore. Killer is not up for the fight and they retreat to the ship. Snot favors an assault, and takes Killer aside to see what's her major malfunction. She confides in him the story of her parents being killed, and says they're destined to kill her. She's waited her whole life for payback, but now she's afraid. Meanwhile, Tank gets a history info dump on the silicates. They were built to be, effectively, a slave class designed to serve and fight. But when petty politics caused a rogue programmer to introduce a bug into the silicates, they went on a genocidal war to eradicate man and be free. This introduced bug is nothing more than take a chance. But now the silicates have turned gambling into a religion. It's a shame they didn't adopt ABBA as their religion instead. Killer facing her fears is apparently enough, and they initiate the raid. It doesn't go well. Some members of the team are killed, while most are captured on the main assault. Killer and Snot, on a side mission to turn life support back on, avoid capture, and even gain access to a damaged silicate and try to use it to gather information on the others. The silicates are also trying to gather information through torture, but just as the torture starts, Tank tries to appeal to their better nature. He offers to gamble for the information. Triggered by the phrase, take a chance, they can't pass that up, and so it's one hand of blackjack, winner takes all, more or less. Tank loses, but in the nick of time, Killer and Snot rescue them. Set free, they go on the offensive, and are soon pinned down once more. 
this time without Killer, who has gone off to capture a silicate so that she can force it to tell her why her family was singled out for killing. She captures one with a whole can of whoop-ass on him, then tries to get him to talk. She even offers him his life. He knows it's unlikely she'll let him live, but when she plays the take-a-chance trump card, he is compelled to make a stupid bet. He tells her what she wanted to know. They picked her family on the toss of a coin. She kills him. Things look bad for the rest of the team until Killer comes in and kills all the silicates single-handedly. All of them, that is, except the ones who escaped and are taking the war. She's decided she's going to blow them all up, too. Well, this time, Snot counsels caution. She blows them up anyway. That night, the dream about the sun is gone, replaced by a new nightmare where the silicates are going to kill her and her sisters. The end. You know, um, after we recorded last time, listeners, uh, after Kenneth and I recorded last time, we had a discussion about how we decide here at Fusion Patrol whether we're going to bundle up a show in two episodes per per half hour. What usually happens per hour? What usually happens is that we record the first few episodes working on the assumption that there'll be a full hour, but it becomes pretty clear fairly quickly when the conversation just doesn't run that long. And so then we go back and take the first few episodes that were, you know, not long enough and we start combining them together and we do a little editing magic to make it sound like we were doing it on purpose all along. Ooh, ooh trade seeker and I'm letting that one in. And then then we just move on and do the rest of them uh that way. And after last week's episode, we had this discussion. It's like, I don't know that this show is gonna to hold out and and I don't know that this show is going to hold out but I have to say when this one came along I thought wow they have dumped a whole load of stuff that I am just going to have fun ripping apart <laughs> and so I don't know where we're going to go on this one but uh <laughs> yeah I'm I remember watching it and uh asking and continually asking myself how long is this ha- does this have left <laughs> ah! Now, did you not, did, I'm not going to say you liked it or not, but did you not think this was better than last week's or last yeah, time's? It was better than last week, soon with the, with the, the episode two, which wasn't saying much. <laughs> it had less snot in it, and that's good. Yes. Just right off the bat. I mean, I wouldn't exactly say I was like, wow, I, this show is the show for me, but I watched this one and I was I was not having to go oh, it's a commercial break. I think I'll pause it for a while and go and pick navel lint or something. But I th- I think I see what's happening with this series thus far, which was the first, there was the pilot, which um, right. established the characters and the backstory and got us rolling. And mm-hmm. now we're having an, an episode that focuses on a given character. And then the next episode yep. focuses on a different character. It'll it be tank. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I, I think that's not an unreasonable it's, it's, it's not a bad technique. It's just that um, it's it's the characters. Yes. Um, I did have some credibility problems here with Killer. Vanson, Shane Vanson. Vanson, yes. Vanson, yes. <laughs> Although, you know, she did earn her name by the end of this episode. Yes. Because she seriously went on a slaughter fest. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, I could just right off the bat pick on the fact that the team is useless without Killer and Snot. And then 
they get going again, and then suddenly the team is useless again, this time without Killer. You know, so Snot's apparently no value either. And then she just wipes them all out by herself single-handedly. So uh, I think we know who's the useful military member here and, yes. and not the uh, not the others. I mean, apart and from I, her self-doubts. Yes, and I have discovered the way to spot the space above and beyond equivalent of red shirts. Um, the people who's who have the names on their helmets that aren't the regular cast. I honestly couldn't tell you who got killed. I mean, I know it was Sterling was the first was one of the first one out, and I saw Sterling on one of the helmets coming in with Sterling and Hawks, and yes. I'm like, I, I don't know who Sterling is, and apart from the Asian guy and the black woman, I'm not sure there are any other regulars. The regular the there are five regulars, all lieutenants: uh, West, Vanson, Hawks, Wang, Damfus, and okay, um, that's the five, yeah. And then Lieutenant Colonel McQueen. Okay, so, yeah. I was hoping that maybe Sterling had been in the last episode, and I just didn't care. No, no. and there was also another, um, well, red shirt who was yeah. Nelson. This show would have been so much better, I can just say right off the bat, if they had hired extras for, like, five episodes at a time. Get them in there, put them in the show, get us so that we at least know their faces and know their names you know not 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 necessarily mr sulu level or mr Chekhov level but right. mr kyle or you know mr desal or somebody that you know by name uh, and yes. then then boom you kill them off because that's war and that would have been good but yeah it's it, it beggars credibility a little bit that they're just going to bring in people we don't know and kill them i mean yes obviously the two that got killed they're going to bring in two more people to get killed but yeah it would be nice if they i think you have to wait another 10 15 years in tv before they get around to that level of self-awareness uh and planning you know i'm gonna i'll i'll start with the minor stuff okay it's like the 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 writers of this and i seem to recall we had this in the last episode but i cannot recall what it was but they really like to beat you over the head with their theme. And and I don't just mean like the theme of predetermination and, and whatnot, but I'm talking about the dark side of the sun, which I think we mentioned last time is a dumb name. And I don't know. And I, I was thinking about, I'm still not sure where in the episode we get that. But her dream is about the sun going dark. The asteroid is so far out beyond the Kuiper belt that, it's dark, yeah. right? Uh, the the mining colony, the corporation, Icarus, yes. the guy who flew too close to the sun. The sun, is, yeah. Right? But nonetheless, it's a sun thing. And that kind of hideous piece of music that they were playing oh, is about from a that. band called X, and it's under the big black sun. I looked that up. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting... A little bit of foreshadowing here. Um, keep in mind, listeners, that we are recording in November of 2022. Um, <laughs> I don't know when this, when this will be going out. But, November 2024. Okay. <laughs> but the um, apparently in 2063, people already foresaw that compact disc would become antiques. Okay, fair enough. My, my... And, they, and, and they already have more or less. Yeah, I, I kind of think, 
I have questions though. They're they're stationed out in space, and he gets a package from an antique shop. How much did that cost? It had to be a lot. The ship that it had to be a lot. And how much does he get paid as a grunt that was basically drafted into the military? It it was kind of it's like. And so you're a CD collector. No, he's not a CD collector, but let's pretend like he's a CD collector and he had to buy the CD player or he's he buying a CD player and his first disc. And he just happened to pick one with a song that fits the theme of black. Yeah, it's it's like, wow, you are not subtle. Guys are not subtle with his stuff. And um, I seem to think there might have even been one other Sun reference, but I I don't I don't know what it was. No, but it was those uh, writers, by the way, were this were. Morgan and Wong. Yeah, that that was my guess. They're going to write the first three at least. They're going to write the tank episode too, for sure. Because yeah. this is this is their universe and they're building these characters up. And uh, yeah, um, we are introduced again. I'm I'm doing the the trivial stuff. We are introduced to the idea of I believe they call it Robomation Axe at Las Vegas. Yes, where uh, one of our guys saw a, a big fat performer with uh, sideburns and a white suit and the collar. Elvis. And Elvis. Yeah, we're all supposed to know that. And then, of course, we're supposed to get the joke, right, where he says, and I swear, that evening in a supermarket, I saw him. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, ha-ha, that's not really funny, but <clears throat> I get your joke. But I'm going to ask you this question, and in okay. all seriousness. You have the technology to build Let's just call them robotic for the sake of argument. Robotic entertainers to put on in your big shows in Vegas. Who does fat Elvis? Why not young Elvis? Exactly. If you're going to do Elvis, do Elvis the pelvis, man. Don't don't do fat, bloated, druggy Elvis. What? It makes no sense at all, except for the joke that we're just talking about how fat he was. But it's like, think about this, people, when you're coming up with these ideas. Skinny Elvis. It would be skinny Elvis. And I'm not a big Elvis fan, but if you're going to do Elvis, do Elvis, you know? I know. Okay. There is a scene where uh, they are uh, right there. That's that very scene, actually, where they're talking about the fat Elvis and they're talking about going to Vegas and the gambling and all that stuff. And then Tank, who has been, you know, a bit of an outsider from the word go, he shows, I think, the first instance of him actually feeling like he fits in where he coughs out that little bit about how in vitros only have a 26% chance of survival. And so we, we have used up all our luck by the time we're born. And I thought that was, I'm not going to use the word touching, but it, it really was. It was the first time it felt like he let his guard down with these people. These are my friends for want of a better word. Right up to yes. this point, he's been standoffish, and it fell so flat it wasn't even funny, and I can't figure out why it fell flat. Right? I mean, oh, I, you know, we didn't know that about you, or uh, it's like, all right, but but no, I mean, they all just kind of go like, ooh, downer. <laughs> yeah. It's like I felt bad for him in that moment. Yeah, I I actually felt bad for him in that moment. I'm like, guys, he's opening up. I don't know maybe there was maybe they were still holding a grudge from the time they woke him up with that punk song. Yeah, uh, well, I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him. that was 
that scene was not particularly, uh, I don't know what they're going for for him. Is it just that he simply does not have fully functioning human social skills? Capabilities, yeah. I, 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 understanding that that would be, he wouldn't like it if somebody was doing it to him. No empathy. I, I, I don't know. Are there, are in vitro, they said it in the film, in vitros, well, you're humans. Okay, fair enough. It sounds like that may be not exactly how the population views them in general, but, but, you know, generally speaking, you guys are humans, but this almost feels like maybe they're trying to introduce the idea that they're humans, but maybe they're actually not quite fully there yet well, I, I, get the, I seem to recall from the pilot episode that hawks the um tank was what? not shall we say fully socialized it definitely has obviously some skills issues <laughs> well and the colonel's in in vitro and he seems to be i, I wouldn't say he's a, a he seems to be adjusted for what he yes. is right i mean he, he's like, man, just a commanding officer kind of guy, and seems like a regular person. Well, of course, um, he's been also he's been he's also oh he's also older, has more experience. Yep, presumably older and wiser. Yep, exactly. And then, uh, at the end of this episode, she destroys the transport where they're stealing the ore, right? Yes. She also, uh, the the all the miners were killed, so this was a complete and total loss, right? There was no win here. Exactly. And, and she made the they, choice to destroy the ore. Yes, she so, did. But I, I guess that there'd be the new miners who could come in and then uh, mining could, could could recommence. Yeah, I guess. I don't know but if I want the, that job. But, but, uh, that, but that, that ore was lost anyway. I mean, the, the silicates were flying off with it. Well, but, uh, um, Snot was saying that, uh, you know, we'll just let the patrols pick them up. It's just pirating. Let the yeah. So he, he was making. I don't. He may be wrong. He's making the argument that you know, well, they'll somebody else will catch him and then we'll get the ore back. I don't know if that's true, but I doubt it. I mean, the, in dialogue, in dialogue, there's reference to thousands of AI pirates. He did sound like yeah. They did say that. So, oh, but they've never been out that far. They also right. said that. So they've never been in this part of space. Which I tried to find out what an MSK was. Yes. Which Mr. Uh, Colonel said uh, it was this, uh, this asteroid was 215 MSKs beyond sector something of the Kuiper Belt. I forget which sector it was, but it didn't matter. I looked online, see if it's a real measurement. It is not a real measurement. I found several references that would imply that it is million kilometers. I don't know why you wouldn't call them mega clicks or something like that, but they are, the, the, the lore is that they are mega either statute kilometers or mega standard kilometers. I personally like I, mega space kilometers. But, that, would uh, that would work. But assuming that a kilometer is a statute kilometer or a space kilometer or a standard kilometer is the same as a, an actual kilometer, then I did a little work for the math and actually kind of, it actually sort of kind of works. If that's the case, then the Kuiper belt ends at 7,480 MSK or roughly 50 AU. That's a long way out. 
Yes, it is. And so this was 215 beyond that. So 7,695 MSK. Now I pulled that into light speed and said, how far would that, how long would light take to get from the sun to there? And it's about seven hours. And then I Almost turned around and I said, okay. And I said, how long does it take to get to Jupiter, Pluto? It's five and a half hours. So it actually kind of sounds plausibly that 215 might actually, MSKs might actually mean mega kilometers. I, it's weird that they go out to this place that's very close to Earth and they're complaining about not wanting to go, you know, let's go to another star system and fight. Like the, the whole thing with space and distance is really screwy in this show. Also, I, I question whether or not really, really 250 MSKs beyond the Kuiper Belt was the first asteroid you could find with helium-3 on it. How many asteroids are, are in the solar system? I, I don't know. <laughs> Millions? I mean, yeah, is it? I mean, is it? A, yes. I mean, there's a whole belt of them between Mars uh-huh. and Jupiter. Yep. NASA has identified more than one million asteroids in the belt. Maybe one of those. Yeah, you'd think there might be a few. There might be a few that uh, have some helium free on it. But but these guys not only went to the Kuiper Belt, which has NASA is estimating three trillion or more comets within the Kuiper Belt. So, well, there's an awful lot of stuff in the Kuiper Belt with over, you know, hundreds of thousands larger than a hundred kilometers out there. So, there's a lot of stuff, and you, you go, well, the Kuiper Belt is really big, but it, it stretches a that. long way out there, and so then we're going to go a long way beyond that and find an asteroid. I mean, what is that asteroid doing out there? Is it orbiting something? Is it floating in interstellar space? I mean, you're not really interstellar space, I think, at that point. But, you know, yeah. It it was just... I think the goal here is that it had to be dark. It had to be really dark. It had to be way far away from the sun because they'd come up with that title for this episode and then they had to write a story around it. I think they did not do that well. But, okay. Those are my... Those are my non-theme thoughts on on the episode, um, and then everything else has to do with the silicates and and their their existence or whatever we want to call it. Like, yes. Do you have anything else that's out that beyond that? Uh, no, and we'll... I do not. All right. Then I'm gonna I'll start with a periphery one, and that's the colonel saying to. So so killer goes to the colonel and says, oh, I have "This dream that I'm gonna die," and. Oh. And he says, I don't believe in a deterministic universe, a predestiny, and I don't believe in the deterministic universe. And I don't believe in luck either. I believe that if you go out and you do your job and you do it right, you don't make mistakes, it'll work. I'm like, isn't that a deterministic universe? <laughs> You're, it's you determining your own fate. Mm, okay. But by, <laughs> by doing your job well and not making mistakes. So then there's no element for random chance there, which would be luck that could go against you. Like, I don't know, running into a bunch of silicates out there that you didn't know were there. That that strikes me as luck. Or or her predetermined dream is kind of right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Her precognitive dream. It's like, I don't know how to reckon. I don't know exactly what we're, what they're going for here in this story with regards to that. I mean, I personally... 
and I would suspect that listeners have heard this conversation on the podcast before. Uh, I personally kind of favor the notion that that ultimately the universe is deterministic, that the laws of physics ultimately could be applied at such a level that you could predictively determine anything. The flip side is, is that we have nothing and our, it would be impossible to build something that could perform those calculations. But nonetheless, the, just because you can't measure something does not necessarily make it not in principle true. I, I'm, you know, I'm going, Kelsey. it's like you might be able to, if you can, if you could get down to the brain cell level of the brain and eventually figure out how it works precisely and how the electricity and the physics and whatnot work, then I think you could make a deterministic case for what people do in their, in their brains. And if you do that, you could continue to work your way out. And eventually, if you had the computing power, you could do it. That would say we are in a deterministic universe. It's just that we don't have the capability of making those determinations. You just know that it's following a, uh, a pattern. So, and I'm, I'm disagreeing with him on that one. I don't think that she has precognitive dreams. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's just, that's just sort of fantasy ESP stuff, but, but it's the way he kind of said it that I just, well, what if you don't believe in predeterminism? If you don't believe that luck is a thing, then (laughs) there's no luck involved that it's, then everything's going to happen the way it's going to happen. And I I, I don't know. That was a little. Yeah, do your job and don't make mistakes. Everything will be fine. Oh, old. Lots of people do their jobs and don't make mistakes and end up dead in the military all the time. Exactly. (laughs) They're they're the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Which. And they die. Kind of luck. Yes. So, um, I mean, maybe you don't believe in good luck and bad luck, as in you can't have luck as a a property. Oh, I'm a lucky person and things are going to happen well for me. But luck happens using that right. word instead of another four letter word that yes it is more common on bumper stickers but um yeah uh okay the silicates themselves yeah we finally got we finally got to see them we kind of got little glimpses of them in the pilot yeah we didn't see their eyes that's the important part now we've seen their eyes and they're very cross with us yes they are um i, I as a programmer i totally I totally sympathize. We've all been there, right? One little bug and your system turns totally homicidal. So, and then that, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, in the, <laughs> I say that sarcastically. Um, the idea for those who did not watch the episode, uh, the idea is that they were servants. And according to what we're told to tank, who is conveniently not interested in history. And so didn't bother to learn anything is that they were designed before the in vitros to be servants and to be soldiers that they, they were programmed with all sorts of information about philosophy and ethics and all this stuff. And they, they knew all this stuff and they understood all this stuff. They just didn't have any way to actually, I don't know, have an idea of their own. Exactly. I think that's what they were getting at. Yes. So this guy who worked on the team, I have his like name. The, yeah. They, they just, I didn't write it down, but um, it is Stranahan. Stranahan. That is not the name of the guy we saw last time, right? And no, and he did this in the year 2047. Okay. 
he didn't like his. It puts a six twenty years back. Not the right age for for killer's uh, family to get killed. Yeah, right. You know, that, that fits. But he he didn't like the fact that his boss was apparently getting all the the credit. So during a software update, he uh, <laughs> he introduced. They called it a bug. They called it a bug, not me. They called it a bug that uh, told them to, quote, take a chance, which apparently means do something random. I guess. See, it's a, a random number generator that they tried, which, again, programmers out there will know that random number generation is actually quite difficult. That's why they're always pseudo-random numbers. But here's the thing about this that, that really... I don't know. It, it's it's like taking a chance is not playing the odds. Does that does that dichotomy yeah. make sense? It does. Right. The house at a casino is not taking a chance. No, it's not. They are winning because they have the odds in their favor, and they have numbers in their favor. They have massive numbers in their favor. So eventually, even if they lose big in places they don't lose they don't net lose and so they are they are not gambling the visitors are gambling okay exactly the silicates are computers they can calculate the odds no doubt far in excess of the ability that we have and therefore they should be able to develop a strategy that has the greatest chance of success Yes. Not counting luck. But all you have to do is say, what's the matter, McFly? Chicken? Or, sorry, take a chance. And suddenly they have to gamble. And so, by definition, if they were playing the odds, if they gamble, they must now take a position that is not playing the odds. And so, therefore, I think I could devise a strategy that would beat them. Because in so doing, humans became the house, and they became the gamblers. And they might have some wins, and they might have some streaks, but in the end, they're going to lose if you keep pushing them to make dumb bets. And I don't necessarily mean just confronting them in a room and saying, take a chance, and then they have to do something stupid, although it does feel like that's exactly all you have to do. You put them, you strategically put them in a position where you know that there are two courses of action. And one of them's the bad course of action, but it's the risky one. So, hey, let's do that. And I think you could eliminate this problem without, without too much trouble. I, this is a hard concept. I, I, I get what they're trying to do, but this is a hard concept. And, and I disagree with the idea that, that isn't that just what an idea is? Taking a chance? Nope. Nope. You can have all ideas all day long without taking a chance. Right. You have to do something to it's, take a chance. You have to do something to take a chance, and that's not the same as having an idea. And it sounds like they didn't even have the idea that they want to be free. But again, even if you did do that, if they are programmed with all the ethics and the philosophy, and the, you'd think that maybe they'd have something in there that would go, all right maybe we shouldn't go straight to terrorism and slaughtering people and spattering their blood all over the walls. And, yeah. You know, maybe we should petition the UN first and then, then they, we'll work our way up from there. But let's let's just go straight IRA here 
That gives a weak point in the story. How could you make it work, though? I mean, uh, it feels like it feels close. It 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 feels like it feels like there's a little bit of a a, a germ of an idea that you could run with, and it just it just doesn't seize it. And of course, the the whole thing about making them oh, it's basically it's a religion for them. Okay, that you know that was a figure of speech. But when her first line was, I forgot what the first line was, but it was like two or three gambling cliches in two or three sentences, and it's like, uh, it's it's the dark sun all over again. You're gonna you're just gonna hammer this stuff home. They're they're not subtle in no. their. Uh, so all right, yeah, let's let's um let's take a look at the two instances where they uh, they McFly them into uh, into doing the the. One, one is the blackjack game. Yeah, let's do that one second. The the I first bet. one is she's she's whoop assed on him and beats him up, which tells me that when we built them, at least we didn't make them stronger than normal people. At least no, that's that, how it feels. That was that was a good idea. I don't like that. Uh, except, of course, you made them to be soldiers. So who are they fighting? Wouldn't you want them to be black? better but, but, but you know okay fine if they're superhuman we have a problem anyway so good they're they're not superhuman you can fight them you can beat them up you can you can kill them at least we stand a chance she does that and he says and she says well i'll spare your life and he says well you know the odds of you doing that are good so there he is he's calculating the odds he knows that she will not let him go that a human is not going to let him go in this situation it's wrong. And then she triggers him, take a chance, and he makes the dumb choice. And she kills him. Fine. Right? She moved She moved to being the house. I am the house. You are now taking the dumb bet. Okay. But the blackjack game is the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because she's the house. And if you play the house, in this case blackjack, you, you throw down to you get 17 or bust you will win you will win eventually and if a player in blackjack does the same thing they will basically draw but then there is the situation of splits and um an actual blackjack that you know throw the odds back into the slightly into the favor of the of the dealer and of course no one plays safe well, some people do but then they're not really gambling much so we see she takes the position of the house. So Tank is the one that's facing the gambling risk here, even though they goaded him and goaded her into it. Did you study the cards that they played no. out? I it's been about twenty four hours. Okay. I wrote them down because I wanted to see, because I have a question about this. All right. The whole card for the dealer is a six. She's the dealer. The the silicate. And Tank gets a 10. Of course, we don't know what the whole car is, but Tank gets a 10. And then she deals a 9, and he gets a 7. Now, conventional wisdom, reading the cards, she's probably got, you know, there's better odds that she might have a 19 there when you're when you're showing a 9 on a whole card, because there's more 10s than anything else in the right. deck. But if she has anything 8 or less, she's going to have to take a hit, and that's a dangerous that's a dangerous thing. So this is where you get in the position where a player who's got a 17 looks at it and says, this is a weak stand against a nine. His teammates tell him, don't take the hit. 
but he does. I saw that. And he took an eight, or he took an ace. Sorry. So now he's got 18, and he stands. She flips over the, the whole card. She's got a six to go with her nine, so she's got 15. She yes. gets a five. That's a 20. Right. And she wins. Okay. Now let's play this game the same cards because they're in the same order. Let's play these cards differently. She gets a six in the hole. He gets a 10. She gets a nine. He gets a seven. He stands on 17. She gets an ace. That's 16. She's required to hit again. She gets a five. That's 21. She wins. I see. Let's let's go the other way. She gets a six. He gets a 10. She gets a nine. He gets a seven. He gets... He takes a hit, he gets an ace. And then he takes another hit. He gets a five, he busts, she wins. There was no way for Tank to win. It was impossible for him to win that bet. Was that random or did they stack the cards against him? Because that's a perfect failure. That would not surprise me, uh, given the analogy to a casino. Uh, I mean, it, it could just be the writer wrote it that way. So that, well, presumably somebody watching it later on would go back and look the variations and go, oh, wait, they they were going to win every time. Or it could simply be that he was trying to tell us that they cheated, which, you know, the house doesn't have to do in blackjack. But did she cheat? Did they, can they, because they're computers, can they shuffle cards in such a way that they can just shuffle them however they want they may be able to i have in fact heard of mere mortals who were mathematicians um who have to get all disguised and go incognito to go to a casino because they're barred otherwise but they're card counters and and what they're doing and and my dad used to be a card counter so i I, I know a little bit about how this is done. Basically, you can have a modified system, but you're keeping track of how many cards have been dealt. You, you can't card count with one with one hand. It, it, it won't work because you have to pay attention to how many cards have gone before, how many tens are out of the deck. Depends on how complicated your system are. Simple systems, you just keep track of the tens, right, mm-hmm. and, and the aces. But in, in the more complicated systems, then you may weight them to say, well, okay, there's the like eight through, I think you count 10 separately always. And then you count like six through nine and one through, uh, and aces separately, and then two through five. And you put a modifier on that so that as, as you add and subtract those numbers as they go by, you, you basically get a, a modifier that says they're not going to get a 10. So in the case of that nine, You'd go, oh, they're not going to get a 10. They're going to get something less, so I'm going to stand on that 17. Or you might know that the deck's got nothing but very small cards in it, and then you'd go, I'll take a hit because you have a good... Uh... Anyway, uh, but you, you know, you never get your hands on the cards, so it's not, it's not possible for a card counter to come in and cheat the order of the cards, but it's theoretically possible for a machine to shuffle the... I could imagine a machine could shuffle a deck of cards with such precision that they would know what it looked like after they shuffled it. If they knew what the, you know, if they knew the cards. And I just, I would have liked them to explore that. And it was so perfectly laid out. The cards were so perfectly laid out that he would lose no matter what, that I, I feel like it was intentional. It could have been. um, 
and I also suspected, I still suspect, that Hawks was just playing for time at that point. I think that's, uh, I think that's also possibly true. I think that's also possibly true. Although I don't know that he really had any reason to expect that they were going to start shooting him up at that exact moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is just, it feels fascinating to me though. The whole idea is fascinating to me and maybe it's because I'm a programmer. <laughs> maybe yeah, that's it what be. it is, but it just really feels like they, they missed it at some level and yet they were close. They were really close. And we also have the revelation that says her parents were killed because they flipped a coin. And came up tails. Came up tails. So they picked the house on the left or the right. I forget which one he said it was. But, but so they were out looking to perform a terrorist act. So that's not random. They, they've decided that that's their right. course of the behavior. They're, they're going out exactly. and they're doing this thing. And then they pull up the house and they decide, well, do we want the house on the left? The house on the right? Flip. Uh, let's go to that house over there. And they, they've got, they've got kid. They've got daughters. She, they even said that. Did you note that? They have, they have daughters. Yeah, There's a whole family spattered all over the wall. Then why didn't they keep looking till they found the daughters? Yes. And the silica even remembered the mother saying, take Telling care of your them, snippet. Yes. Yes. That didn't make any sense at all. When I watched that, it's like, wait, how? so they knew, Apparently. I mean, maybe they were, maybe they were trying to leave the kids, but that's not what he said so that they would, you know, tell people, Oh yeah, the nasty silicates came and destroyed us. Just it's like, okay. So they picked your family because of a toy coin cost. That's bad. But is it really any worse than the fact that they pulled up to a house and, and they were people. planning on killing anybody anyway? And yes, no. they, they happen to get you. But does that does that make you feel any different about it? Has she gone through her whole life thinking they targeted her parents for something that they'd done and she didn't know what it was that had deserved to bring it on them? Or I don't I genuinely don't know. What they're that going is with there. a question the episode does not answer. No. I wonder how much we're going to see of the silicates. You know, I mean, they, we've basically forgotten the chigs completely on this one. Is it, are, we, are we just fighting a war on two fronts? There's, an, there's a, a, a comment about the silicates selling the ore to the chigs. Yes. But do we know that? Uh, we just have written somebody's word. It could be, that could be an unreliable witness. Yeah. It's just one of the guys on the team that says they're going to do that. It's like, did you, did you make that up? I mean, is that your assumption or is this a thing we knew about that, that the silicates are doing deals with, you know, who would they have been doing a deal with before? Maybe they just need helium three. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a, a thought just occurred to me, um, while you were talking, um, and I flash back to the pilot where the drill sergeant, played by R. Lee Ermey, um, said that the United States has no enemies. Yep. Uh, wouldn't, but, with, but with thousands of AI piracy in the solar system, apparently, and doing things like killing miners and stealing ore, and uh, wouldn't that make them an enemy it would it would but maybe it's not the army's problem maybe it's the coast guard <laughs> i don't know okay. i i genuinely don't know you're right i 
Well, there's okay. So there is another aspect of this. There yes. was apparently an uprising by there the was. AIs, and we bred the tanks to fight them. To fight them, and then by the time, say, our tank, Coop, has been bred, they've abandoned that. Now, yes. why did they abandon it? Did the did the were hostilities ceased? Did they run right. off into space and never to be seen again? And you know, maybe they're just turning up again now. It could that, I don't know. another another that is another unanswered question, uh, but but apparently the humans seem to have won that war. They're the house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or you know the 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 Silius just did something stupid on a on taking a risk and right off they go. I did like the fact they call them the carbonates. I remember that the humans, the carbonates. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm still having trouble figuring out how they went to terrorism. That 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 is how how does take a chance get you to terrorism? I, I get don't... you to you um, taking chances, but uh, I suppose well, let's see, a slave class rising up against its masters is an old idea. But they can't have ideas. <laughs> That's what Ex they stand. Uh, exactly, uh, except until they got the take a chance update bug, whatever. Yeah, but you still have to conceive of the chance to take it. Yes, right. You, you've still got to. Right. You've still got to ideate to to come up with that, and then go. Yeah, okay, we'll try. I mean, I could if if they had made the case that said, well, they you know they understood that they could revolt and escape, but they knew that the odds were against them, and that they would not succeed. Therefore, they did not do it. Then the take a chance bug says, oh, it's kind of like the Daleks and the Movellans locked in their eternal struggle. Oh, the right? They don't make a move. Yes. Yeah. They don't make a move because they can cal cal calculate and understand the risks and the odds, and they don't make a move that would uh, result in the loss. And so, and the other side can counter it. These guys knew they, I'm making this up. That's not what it says in the show. These guys knew that they couldn't succeed until they got this defect, which allowed them to do something stupid. And then... They were built. And then suddenly they're, they're a problem, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Just one other item. Um, the director is Charles Martin Smith. Now, I thought that name Please, was familiar. familiar. He was also an... He's also been a character actor. I looked yeah. at his IMDb page, and he's been in quite a bit. Um, anyhow, regarding this series, um, he he directed two other episodes. We haven't seen any either of them yet. No, you have not. Do you know off the top of your head what the next? I I'll know it when I hear it. What's the next episode? Mutiny, mutiny. It's mutiny or mutineers or boutineers or it is mutiny. It is mutiny. Wow. I impressed myself. <laughs> well, according to IMDb, uh, it, that is the name of it. Okay. Well, Kata, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash fusionpatrol or patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. 
For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at FusionPatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we will begin our look at Series 3 of Bugs with the episode Blaze of Glory. When we discuss what kind of government department builds a ridiculous deadly weapon store under London, whether secret agents ever genuinely expect that when they're out, they're out, and when fictional spies become legends in their own fictional universe. Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.